Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the things that I find to find, I tend to find enjoyable when going through a story or some kind of of a production is when you have a high-ranking official who decides to go incognito among the people that they lead or that they are in charge of. If you've ever seen the CBS's TV show called Undercover Boss, well, you're already familiar with this idea. As implied by the name, it documents what happens when a high-ranking boss of an organization goes undercover as an entry-level worker within the company that they run. And after spending some time on the rank and file, eventually comes the big reveal when they uncover their true identity as the person who signs the paycheck for them, and also usually compensates the hoodwinked employees in one way or another. But CBS is not the first organization to do something like this. In fact, authors have been doing this for a long time, like Shakespeare, among many others, describing nobility who are dressing up as the common folk so they can mingle with them in all the different places where they are to be found. You also can find this idea in any number of movies across all different sorts of genres of high-ranking officials hiding in plain sight among the people that they, that, that, that they lead. But no matter where it is that you find this thing going on, what's always interesting is to see what it takes to convince the people the true uncovered identity of this official. Perhaps they need to show their picture ID and to log into the company website and to show that they are the person who they say that they are. Or if you're going back to times of literary books, maybe they need to show the the royal heirloom that's been passed down for centuries in the family or to show the the unique identifying birthmark. Or maybe they need to have a bunch of other people to corroborate their statement that they are who they say they are as uncovered. But what would it take for somebody to believe that someone who who, who blended in with the crowds was the Christ? the very anointed one by God to save sinners from their sin. In many ways, that's the question we're looking at this morning as we consider our verses from Luke chapter 3, where we hear among the crowds along the Jordan River, not just simply wondering who the Christ might be, but honestly considering that perhaps it was John the Baptist. And although Jesus did not look the part before him, After he was baptized, it became clear to everybody who was the uncovered Christ. It was Jesus and Jesus alone as decreed by God from long ago. And it's in Jesus and the work he did as the Christ that would have both God and Christians well pleased with him for what he did for us as the Christ and what he gives to us in the sacrament of baptism. This morning we're talking about anointing. And anointing was a big thing in Bible times. You think back to the Old Testament, and anointing was often done when you would pour aromatic oil over someone or sometimes some or, or, or over something, and you publicly appointed for a specialized task. We saw that in our first reading where Samuel anointed David to be the next king of Israel. And in New Testament times, we see this anointing not done as much as it was in Old Testament times, but the significance of anointing all wrapped up into the Christ, a title which literally means the anointed one. 
And to be the Christ means that you are God's anointed one, the one decreed from long ago to be the Savior of the entire world. And when we find our verses this morning, the crowds around the Jordan River thought that John perhaps could be the Christ. But, But John knew what the answer was. He knew that he was not the Christ in any way, shape, or form whatsoever. Why, in fact, compared to the Christ, he wasn't even worthy enough to even do the, the, the humble work of a lowly slave, like untying the dusty straps from somebody's sandals. And John made sure to tell the people that he was not the Christ. Whereas John baptized people with water for the forgiveness of their sins, the Christ would baptize people with fire and the Holy Spirit, as he certainly did at Pentecost. Whereas John called people to repentance, the Christ would act on that repentance by eternally separating believers from unbelievers as a farmer separates the wheat from the chaff when he's winnowing his threshing floor. You see, John knew that he was not the Christ, but rather that he was the forerunner to the Christ, his appointed task given to him by God. To prepare the people for Christ's coming with his message of repentance, but also once the Christ was uncovered, to point people to the Christ so they could believe in him and be saved from their sins. When Jesus first comes onto the scene, he blended in with the crowds. He's among the crowds of people who were there at the Jordan River, and no one would have pegged him to be the Christ. They were looking to John for a reason, after all. And yet, when Jesus was baptized, all that would change. Because it was then that it was uncovered what God had decreed long ago, who the Christ is, that it is Jesus and Jesus alone. And we see this uncovering being, being done by, the, by, by, by our triune God. We see how all three make their own presence in the baptism of Jesus. We have God the Son in the person of Jesus, who is freshly baptized in, in the middle of praying. You see God, the Holy Spirit, who takes on the form of a dove and landing on Jesus, anointing him without the oil this time, anointing him to be the Christ before all the people's sight. And then you have God the Father who speaks from heaven these wonderful words. You are my son whom I love. I am well pleased with you. It's at Jesus' baptism that it becomes clear to all people who the Christ truly is. is Jesus, who alone has been anointed to save us, to save sinners from all the wrongs that we have done. But is it really so clear that Jesus alone is the Christ? The one uncovered as decreed from long ago? Before Jesus' baptism, he blended them on the crowds. He was just one of many people. If he didn't know about his birth, he would just seem like another Jewish person at that time there. And they were looking to John for a reason because in many ways he looked the part of the Christ with this strong message coming from the Bible and his very much Bible-aligned life. It's been nearly 2,000 years since our triune God uncovered who the Christ is. But might we also be tempted to look to those who look the part better than Jesus? Perhaps we look at how Jesus' Jesus' time as the Christ ended with him dying on the cross, and that's not something that we strive for, something that we want to have happen to ourselves. And so maybe we find another person who could be the Christ, someone who has the life that we wish could be our own, or exemplifies those attributes, those characteristics, those ideas that we aspire to and strive to ourselves. 
Or maybe you look to somebody who simply walked this earth more recently than Jesus, than what, almost 2,000 some years ago. Well, it may be clear who the Christ truly alone is, if we find him in someone else, not only do we run the error and the mistake of placing our hope in somebody who ultimately can't deliver what we're hoping for, but we also can forget what the Christ was anointed to do. Anointed by God to save us from our sins. Not necessarily to make our lives easier or to fill our coffers even richer or to give us the happy ever ending that we wish we could have in this world here but to take care of our eternity for all time. And as we consider who this Christ might be, we see that we have not been left in the dark by any means. Whereas in the Old Testament times, God simply told his children to believe in the promise that the Christ was going to come. We who live in the New Testament see his uncovered identity. This Jesus and Jesus alone is assured to us by his baptism when the triune God made his presence and declared to all that this is the one decreed from long ago to be your Savior, to be my Savior. And as such, there is no doubt in our minds. There is no question in our heart about who our Savior is or who to look to for salvation because the answer is simply this, is Jesus. Jesus alone, who is the Christ. And it's Jesus alone and what he did as the Christ that helps us see why both God the Father and we Christians today can be well pleased in him, just like he was back then. We heard God the Father say how he was well pleased in Jesus when he spoke from heaven at, at, at his baptism there. And the reason why God was so well pleased with him in that particular moment was because this was the beginning of Jesus' public work. When he showed himself and uncovered to all the people that he was the Christ. And the plan decree from long ago was now becoming to be fulfilled. You see, it was after, the, the, after Jesus' baptism that he would then go out to publicly show himself as the Christ, to do everything that was written about him. And God, knowing all things, knew that this splash of a beginning would only be par for the course as Jesus would do everything else required and written about this Christ, even leading to his bitter end on that cross and then his resurrection from the grave. And when God saw that this plan was finally coming together, being fulfilled after being decreed from thousands of years before and hundreds of years of prophesied, well, he was well pleased. It was finally happening, what he had been waiting for and what he had decreed from long ago. It's in the same work of Jesus as the Christ that we too are well pleased with him. It's because of his life, his death, and his resurrection that we have forgiveness of our sins, that the door to heaven has been opened to us. And for this, we give thanks to our Lord, but not just simply for what he has done for us as the Christ, but what he also gives to us. Gifts that he gives to us that perhaps for the first time was through the waters of baptism. You see, when we hear, or when we see a baptism going on, it may not seem like all that much. And if you were to close your eyes and to close your ears for five minutes or just to be outside in the courtyard, you probably would never know what had just happened. It seems rather simple, rather ordinary. 
But what the eyes see differs from what God decrees and is in this washing of water and word that we see the Lord decrees blessings that he gives to us that were given to us in our baptism, blessings that are described for us in Luther's small catechism that for our communicant members you probably will recognize from your days in confirmation class where you hear this is what our Lord gives to us in baptism. The blessings of baptism, what does baptism do for us? Baptism works forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. Forgiveness, deliverance, salvation, that is what we receive through baptism. Made possible because of Jesus and what he did as the Christ, and indeed we are well pleased with him because of all that we receive from him. What does he think of your baptism in particular? And those blessings that you received and that water and word was applied to you. Let me ask you this. Do you still treasure the blessings you received at your baptism? For those of you like me who are baptized long before they remember things clearly, maybe that's a struggle. Because we don't remember what I meant to live as an enemy of God, We take our blessings for granted because we honestly don't know any better. Or maybe because we don't remember it happening, well, then we, we, we also forget it. And you know as well as I do that if you forget something, well, then good luck trying to treasure something that you don't even remember to treasure in the first place. For those of us who are mindful of what we were given in baptism, how well do we uphold them? How long until we stain these blessings? When we take our forgiven souls and we make them dirty with sin by indulging those things that we know we shouldn't be doing, but we still do. And that's not speaking the sins that we don't mean to fall for or that we act or that or that we don't remember anymore. Or perhaps when it comes to what baptism is all about, we perhaps can forget what God decrees because we're deceived by what other Christian churches teach that corrupts it from being something that God does in us to something that we supposedly do for the Lord. So baptism becomes not about what our Lord is doing, but about ourselves. Instead, let us see baptism for what it is. The washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit so that we might become heirs of God's blessings. And then knowing what this is, let us then treasure Treasure what God did for us because of Jesus and his work as the Christ. Those blessings of forgiveness, of deliverance, of salvation are ours in full, and they were given to us when we were baptized with the water and with the word, no matter how long ago that was. Blessings that are ours in complete 100% fullness. Because whether you were baptized before you remember, decades ago, or just last week, or whether you can recount the moment in detail or you need to rely on your certificate of baptism and your sponsors or your witnesses to tell you what happened, know this, that when you were baptized, you were marked a child of God, the full recipient of all of his blessings, blessings that remain yours today as long as your faith remains in who the Christ alone is as Jesus, your Savior, the one anointed to take your sins away. Because sometimes it can be hard to know who the uncovered one is. 
to see these truths that God paints before us in such plain sight. Because when you watch shows like Undercover Boss or read those works of literature, and when the big reveal happens of the person showing who they are, it, it can be a little harder to, to take that to heart, to believe it. It can be even harder to look at this man from Nazareth, to be the Christ, God's anointed one, to save us from our sins, and yet has assured to us and has shown to us that Jesus' baptism, this is who Jesus is. The Christ, the one anointed, decree from long ago by God, declared by the Lord as uncovered at his baptism, the one who alone we find our Savior, who alone gives us our salvation. And there's no question or doubt about that. He's the one we trust in. And is this work of Jesus and what he did for us once he left the Jordan River? And we see how we and God are well pleased with him to fulfill everything that was declared about him to be the Christ and who gives to us the blessings of forgiveness, deliverance, and salvation through the waters of baptism. And as such, we can treasure what our God did for us. That although it may seem very simple, it is indeed wonderful. Wonderful blessings given to you and to me because of who the Christ is, Jesus, our Savior. Amen.